the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Indeed, it is. And a good morning to you. Away at nine minutes past 10 o'clock on this Monday, the 19th morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. I was finally able to, com- uh, to uh, complete my post on Facebook during the break. And uh, I'm just going to read it to you, even though a little bit of it is redundant, because it's what I shared with you in the monologue, but now I, I have it in social media form, and I want you to share it as well. If you follow me on social media, at France Radio, both uh, or actually not both, but all three places on Twitter, on Facebook, and on uh, Parler, if you follow me at France Radio, you'll see this, and then I want you to share it. Liberal commentators, I wrote, like Bill Maher, have been openly wishing for an economic recession in America because the belief is that voters will blame President Trump for it and then boot him in 2020. That's right. He wants to bring harm to the American worker, forcing layoffs, pay freezes, business closures, higher prices, and more, just to achieve his political goal of getting rid of Trump. And now the mainstream media, including news anchors and pundits on ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, and the like, have joined the call. Recession is coming, they scream. And why? Because they are trying to create a self-fulfilling prophecy. If they scream that recession is coming long enough and loud enough, what does it do? It scares people into saving their pennies. People who are spending comfortably now and maybe planning bigger purchases in the coming year generally hold off on those purchases when they fear that a recession is coming. That car we were thinking about buying next year better not. Let's get a few thousand miles more out of the old one. Recession is coming. I might lose my job. That new winter coat? I don't know. You might have to squeeze another year out of the old one. Recession is coming. That trip we were going to take over spring break? Going to have to cancel that. Recession is coming. And when millions of people stop spending, businesses stop or businesses lose money rather. And manufacturers lose money. And people are laid off. 
And on and on we go into a full-blown recession. This is why, what they're hoping for. They want Americans to suffer, especially rich people like Bill Maher, who is recession-proof, all to achieve a political goal, defeating Donald Trump. And by screaming that recession is coming, they will scare American consumers into moving that economic fantasy into reality. Do not let them scare you. Spend your money. There is no recession coming. That's the message I really want you to, uh, to share with all of your friends, whether it's in person, whether it's online, or anywhere else. Make sure that they understand this. This is what the American left is trying to do and what the mainstream media, and as Peter always says, I repeat myself when I talk about the American left and the mainstream media. They want you to scare yourself into creating this recession. And I'm going to do my level best to make sure that they do not get away with it. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. You can also tweet, as I mentioned, tweet, Facebook comment, uh, and parlor comment to me at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. All right, a few other things we need to get into. I want to follow up on the uh, battle between President Trump and the squids over the weekend. The squids... Of course, uh, they like to pronounce it squad. Uh, I think they're more like squids. But we're talking about, of course, um, Ayanna Presley, Representative Alexandria Damasio-Cortez, Representative Jihad Omar, and Representative Sharia Tlaib. They are now pushing their uh, fellow House Democrats into an action against Israel. And U.S. envoys over the Israeli ban of Sharia Tlaib and Ilhan Omar of go- from going to Israel uh, late last week. We talked about this in depth on Friday, and we talked about the game, the political uh, game that uh, Sharia Tlaib was playing. You recall the story, just a very, very, very brief recap. Sharia Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, two Muslim women, Democrats in Congress, both freshmen, both members of the squids, they wanted to go to Israel. They wanted to go to Israel so that they could, in person, badmouth and propagandize against Israel. They wanted to go there into a place that they did not even believe, do not even believe exists, do not believe has a right to exist. In fact, they put their travel itinerary together and noted that they were going to Palestine. There is no Palestine. They believe that Israel is occupying Palestine which is the reason they support BDS, boycotting, divesting, and sanctioning Israel. They want to BDS Israel out of existence. They want Palestine to have occupied or actually uh, identified, recognized land. You cannot point to a world map and find Palestine because such a thing does not exist. There is an Israeli state. That's it. But at any rate, they wanted to go to Israel and continue their bad-mouthing of Israel. They wanted to go to what they call Palestine, but they would have to go to Israel. And uh, we know the deal by now. The president said it would be terrible for and weak for Israel to welcome these anti-Israel, anti-Semites into their country. And the Israeli government agreed. Benjamin Netanyahu and others agreed and said, no, they are banned from coming into the United States. Israeli law allows them to do that. And we know what happened from there. Oh, my gosh. You, do, you would just act as if the world had come to an end because two Muslim haters of Israel weren't allowed to go to Israel and hate Israel. Uh, this is terrible. Um, Sharia Tlaib then plays the, uh, the humanitarian card. But, but, but my city, my city, which apparently is a, an Arabic word, I guess, for, for grandmother. Um, I just will call it gammy. 
My gammy, my gammy, my gammy's 90 years old. I may never, never be able to see her again. Can I at least go see my gammy, who's in Israel? The Israeli government takes five seconds to say yes. You can't come over here and do your uh, boycotting Israel nonsense. You can't come in here and do any of that stuff you were going to do politically um, on the world stage here and badmouth us. But yes, you can come and visit your, your, your gammy. Sharia Tlaib, of course, then says, well, if I can't come under my circumstances, under my conditions, if I have to follow your rules in which I'm treated like a criminal, then I'm not coming. That led to one of the all-time troll tweets by the President of the United States, really. One of his best ever. He tweeted that the only winner in this whole thing was, was Sharia Tlaib's grandmother. Because she doesn't have to see her now, because <laughs> she's not coming. Uh, that didn't sit well with Gammy. Gammy uh, uh, decided to issue a, a, a statement saying that, quote, Trump tells me I should be happy Sharia is not coming, said Muftiya Talib. May God ruin him. So she wants God to ruin Trump for uh, for essentially celebrating the fact that Sharia wasn't going to be able to go there, or was choosing, rather, to not go there and see her. At any rate, that's that's the backstory. We all know what happened now, and now the uh, you know the American left is screaming that oh my gosh, we should stop funding Israel. Let's not give them any um, any more aid. Uh, we should consider sanctioning them. Uh, how dare they not allow the representatives of a of an allied nation like the United States from coming to see them and so on? And now they're they're thinking about action in Congress. Senior Democratic members of Congress have launched discussions to formally censure. The U.S. ambassador to Israel and Jerusalem's envoy in Washington over Israel's decision to bar entry to Congresswomen Sharia Tlaib and Jihad Omar. Around a dozen lawmakers, several of whom are Jewish, have begun talks to communicate a deep lack of confidence and trust in Israel's ambassador to the U.S., Ron Dermer. <coughs> excuse me. And <clears throat> uh, U.S. envoy to Israel, David Friedman, according to McClatchy News. According to the report, the Democrats are considering releasing a statement of no confidence in Dermer and opening an inspector general investigation into Friedman. Among the 12 are House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Elliot Engel and House Appropriations Committee Chairman Nita Lowry, two Jewish lawmakers from New York. And I will just say this about them. Shame on you. You absolutely should be ashamed. You are prioritizing Elliot Engel and Nita Lowry or Lowy, excuse me, you are prioritizing your loyalty to the demon rat party over your loyalty to your own people in your own homeland of Israel. I want you to think about that for a second. They are taking the side of two women who want to destroy Israel, and they themselves are Jewish. We are reviewing all of our options, McClatchy quoted a source as saying, with Dermer, the issue is there already was a severe lack of trust, but now there's a severe lack of confidence. It is completely unclear that he represents his government, given he has made promises that he has not kept and wasn't clear if he ever had any chance of keeping. Last month, Dermer assured lawmakers that uh, Omar and Tlaib, open supporters of BDS, would be allowed into Israel out of respect for Congress. However, on Thursday, Israel said the two, of course, would be done at denied entry. I still don't know what that means about Dermer. Dermer doesn't make that decision. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, in his statement defending the, the, the decision of our entry, said they you intended to use the visit to harm Israel. Quote, several days ago, we received uh, Omar and Tlaib's trip itinerary. 
which clarified they planned a visit whose sole purpose was to support boycott and deny Israel's legitimacy. For example, they called their destination Palestine and not Israel. And unlike all Democrat and Republican members of Congress before them, they did not seek any meeting with Israeli officials, whether government or opposition. End quote. Now I want you to think about that. What were they going to Israel for if they didn't want to meet with their quote-unquote allies? Israel is being shamed now by these far-left American uh, uh, members of Congress and media for quote, denying representatives of an ally, the United States, from coming into their country, but they weren't coming to express their alliance with Israel. They were coming to express their hatred for Israel. They weren't even going to meet with their quote-unquote allied counterparts. On Friday, Omar claimed she had planned to meet with Knesset members uh, uh, and security officials, although the jam-packed itinerary released days before the planned visit showed otherwise. The trip, according to the itinerary, would be based exclusively in the Palestinian territories, which is not, by the way, Palestine as a recognized state, which doesn't exist with the exception of the first day that would take place in the primarily Arab-populated eastern area of Jerusalem, Israel. The two were slated to meet only with Palestinian officials, as well as representatives from human rights groups and other organizations. They were scheduled to meet with representatives from Palestinian groups uh, like MIFTA, the sponsor of the trip, and the Defense for uh, Children International Palestine groups that have endorsed terrorism and have ties to terrorist organizations that have carried out terror attacks on, drumroll please, Israel. In addition, the organization that is funding their trip is MIFTA, which is an avid supporter of BDS and among whose members are those who have expressed support for terrorism against Israel. Netanyahu said, Mike Goldstein, my friend from... uh, um, uh, from uh, Proclaiming Justice to the Nations. I was trying to do the acronym, but I, I couldn't do the PGT, PJTN quickly enough. Um, but uh, he told me the same thing on Friday when we spoke about this. So Netanyahu denies two Muslim women who are only going to meet in what they call Palestine, which is Israel, according to their itinerary, with pro-Palestinian groups that have ties to terror organizations that harm Israel, And we're supposed to be furious with Israel for denying them the opportunity to come and do so. My friends, the left has lost it. They've lost their minds. Their hatred for Israel, thus their hatred for Jews living in their homeland. Their anti-Semitism has never, ever, been laid more bare for all to see than right now. And unless we as a people collectively express our support for Israel and for Jewish people and against this type of radical extremist activity from members of Congress, they will win that war of public relations. They're playing the same game that all liberals play. The victimhood game. game. They're the victims now. Netanyahu is mean to them. Trump was mean to them. They've been denied their legitimate right to go to a country that they're an ally of. 
They're playing the victim. They're trying to score victimhood points. Do not allow them to do this. Stand with Donald Trump. Stand with Benjamin Netanyahu. Stand with Jews. And stand against the hate of Sharia Tlaib and Jihad Omar. Back after this. Bob France, here on AM 1420. The Answer. All right, it is uh, 1028. Really a hysterical, hysterical response here from the uh, fanatical leftist uh, uh, Democrats. They're actually going to launch discussion to have a vote of no confidence in the U.S. ambassador to Israel, even though he had nothing to do with the decision as to whether or not Sharia Tlaib and Elhan Omar could go to Israel. Meanwhile, Sharia is continuing to complain that she is being denied her rights and that they are trying to ruin her family and she didn't get to go and see her Palestinian city, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. She's playing a game with her own grandmother. That's what this is. It, 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 and let me let me just really bring this home to you real quick, because I got to get out here. I got to make room for Congressman Jim Jordan. You know Bill Maher that I spent about forty five minutes trashing for his wishing of an American recession to harm the American workers. Even Bill Maher is against Talib and uh, Ilhan Omar in this. Think about that for a moment. When you have one of your own far left nut jobs in the media turn on you, you know you're doing something wrong. Ten twenty nine news time now. Congressman Jordan after that on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. 1032 as we continue on AM 1420. The answer, as promised, want to welcome Congressman Jim Jordan, Ohio's 4th Congressional District Representative, to back to our program. Uh, Congressman, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Bob. Good to be with you. Good to talk to you, as always. I've got a few different uh, items I would like to discuss with you. and sure. I want to start, Congressman, with this... Um, I don't know what it is with the letter R, but it's 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 apparently all the left has. It's first it's Russia, 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 then it's racist, 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 and now it's recession, recession, recession. None of them were true, but that's exactly what their goal is here. <laughs> You've, uh, you, you, I want to talk about this recession fear. It's it's leading every newscast. They are breathlessly reporting about it on every major network. They're all seemingly, in my opinion, Congressman, trying to bring bill maher's fantasy into reality they're trying to make it a self-fulfilling prophecy by screaming that a recession is coming thus scaring consumers into saving their money for, to ride out the hard times and thus hurting businesses and creating the very conditions they say they're afraid of yeah if ever there was an example of the the, the left and the democrats focus on the president and not on what's best for the country. This is it. I mean, all, all the ones you reference are, are just as good. But this, I mean, it's almost as if they want a recession. It's almost as if they don't want what's best for the country because they think politically, which is, you know, seems to be their focus all the time, that they think politically it helps them uh, helps them in their efforts to stop President Trump. It's really sad that, that we now have so many folks who are kind of, I mean, it appears they're wishing for something bad to happen to the country because they think it benefits them politically, and that's that's just unfortunate. Not not frankly how it should work um, in our great country. 
What's really, you know, uh, uh, troubling to me is Bill Maher's a, a commentator and an HBO show. Steve, he's a comedian. Uh-huh. He, he he wants to get laughs, and if he wants to say these kind of things, that's one thing. But for Chuck Todd to bring it to the, to meet the press, for like I said, CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, all of them to bring this here and saying recession, 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 recession is coming again. I, I you know, they literally are willing to harm the American consumer, well, to take people and make them force their own yeah. layoffs by not spending money at businesses, forcing them to lay people off, manufacturing. Manufacturers then have less to provide. They lay people off. They're willing to harm the American consumer all to achieve their political goal of getting rid of Donald Trump. Well, and here's the bottom line. I don't think it's going to happen. I just I, I just came from the event, a bunch of veterans, and I was talking to a, a, an owner of an electrical contracting company, and I said, how's this? He says, we're swamped. We're having to turn down work because it's, it's as good as it's ever been. So maybe, maybe it's coming, but I sure don't see it. And frankly, the guys who... Some of the hardworking folks in the 4th Congressional District who are employing a lot of people, they sure don't see it either. So uh, all I know is in two and a half years, and we've talked about this before, in two and a half years, just on the economic front, regulations have been reduced, taxes have been cut, the economy is growing at an unbelievable clip, best, uh, lowest unemployment we've seen in 50 years. And in any subgroup you want to point to, the numbers are down. Wage growth is up for middle class and working class people. Uh, okay, I think that's all pretty good, and and every indication I see is it's going to continue. But like you say, the left just wants to talk about you know doomsday and how terrible things are actually going to get. Why don't we focus on how good things are compared to where they were just a few years ago? That's a very good point, Congressman Jim Jordan. There's our guest. We're talking about these fears or these um, concerns or these I think they're phony fantasies about an American recession coming. Uh, let me pivot to to this, Congressman. This has become a political hot potato, and quite frankly, it's it's disgusting. Um, Anti-Israel representatives, your colleagues, freshmen in the uh, yep. in the uh, in the Congress. Rashida Tlaib and Ilan Omar, I call Sharia Tlaib and Jihad Omar, are both proponents of and introduced resolutions for in support of BDS, boycotting, divesting, and sanctioning Israel, which essentially seeks to to delegitimize Israel and to essentially rub it from existence. They believe that Israel is not even a real place, that it is simply a phony uh, nation state that is occupying actual Palestinian territory. They wanted to go to Israel. And say that, and promote BDS, and propagandize against Israel from within Israel, even though their travel itinerary doesn't recognize it. They say they're going to Palestine. They are told, yeah, not going to happen, you're not allowed to do this, and suddenly there's going to be a vote of no confidence on the American envoy to Israel. There's going to be this, and, and there's a political outrage that two members of the American Congress are being denied access to um, uh, an allied nation. Give me your thoughts, sir. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're right. Uh, Congresswoman Tlaib and Omar want to boycott Israel, so Israel said, we're going to boycott you. Plain and simple. And they have a law in their books that says, if you are for BDS, you're not going to be welcome into our country. Plain and simple. So I, I'm, I, I think Israel got this right. I think the president got this right. And for people in the Democratic Party, people on the left, to now go after Ambassador Friedman, Ambassador Dermer here in the United States, I mean, that is just wrong. I I have been so impressed with uh, with Brawl as Israel's ambassador here to the to, to the United States. I think he's done a great job. So that's it's unfortunate. It's wrong. Uh, what what uh, Congresswoman Omar and and, and Tlaib have been pushing, and Israel had every right to do what they did. 
Do you think it was a political stunt, especially the part about, I want to go see my grandmother, and then Israel says, in two seconds flat, oh, of course you can come and see your grandmother. You just can't take part in your little propaganda trip you were going to do, but come and see your grandma, no problem. And immediately she says, well, if that's going to be your attitude, I'm not coming. (laughs) So suddenly grandma's not important to her. Well, it it sure appeared that way. I mean, if that's the real reason you wanted to go, and Israel said, we will accommodate that, we will accommodate the importance of family, we're going to allow you to come, but you're not going to be able to come in here and do what we thought you were going to do, which is support this BDS concept, which is so wrong and so just so terrible. And then she changes her mind and said, I'm not coming. So it sure looked like it was. But um, again, I, I think Israel is, is 100% right in the, in, the, in the decision they made. I, I support that and support what the president said about it as well. Um, the second of the three R's that I did with you there with R- Russia, racism and recession, I want to talk about that part. Um Immediately, your colleagues and, and many in, on the Senate side and, and certainly all of the 2020 presidential candidates for the Democrats pointed to Ilhan Omar's um, Somali heritage and Rashida Tlaib's Palestinian to say, this is once again an American attack, Trump telling Israel to join him in attacking women of color, particularly powerful women of color. They're turning this into a race issue, not a BDS issue. And it- I'm like you, and I think like most Americans, I am sick and tired of that 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 argument being made. This is about their position. Are they're for this this boycott, divestment, sanction? They're for that concept, which is completely wrong, which is which is harmful to Israel. It is something that we should not support. They're for that, and when they get called out on that position, they instantly go to, "Oh, it has to be something else." No, and frankly, I think so many Americans are tired of. If you support a certain position and you support the president being called name, and I don't think from a political standpoint, I don't think it's helping the Democrats one single bit. Congressman, let me pivot to our third item this morning. Um, everybody seems to have a view on this, and quite frankly, I'm worried about our president's view on this. In the wake of the terrible attacks in uh, El Paso and in Dayton, um, we all, you know, it's predictable, uh, the gun control yeah. calls and the expanded background checks, but, but moreover, this time, it's about red flag laws, and our president, um, right after the uh, uh, the event uh, in his comments, uh, said that he is in, he is supportive of red flag laws. Um, Ohio's governor Mike DeWine has said he is supportive of red flag laws, but there is a major problem with red flag laws, and that's called due process. Um, yep. Can you tell me? Can you tell me how are we going to? To solve this or resolve this within our own party, given the fact that there are many Democrat, or excuse me, many, many Republicans uh, in positions of leadership who are now buying into the red flag laws. Well, the, the problem with red flag laws, as you know, Bob, it it it, it, it flips the bird. bird. It, it's you're guilty until proven innocent, which is the same inverted standard that that um, that Bob Mueller tried to apply to President Trump. That that is not how it works in our country. And so when you point out. Rightly so, this concern about due process, that is a huge concern when it comes to this whole red flag concept. I am very nervous about this. Uh, Jerry Nadler has indicated that he's going to call the Judiciary Committee back early. Uh, we'll be back in, in, in uh, the committee will be back having a hearing in two weeks. I think September 4th or 5th is scheduled. Um, and I think the Democrats are going to try to do all kinds of bad things. They're going to try to do this red flag law. They're going to try to do this, this expanded background check. They're going to uh, look at the banning certain type of firearms. I am very nervous about where they want to go. Uh, the key is we just got to make the argument. We got to talk about facts. No, when people are bent on doing evil, like these evil guys did in Dayton and El Paso a few weeks ago, there is no law that's going to stop an evil person who is determined to go do something terrible. So, in, in fact, 
they they're they're going to get a firearm some other way. So this is the concern we have to have about facts and about preserving and protecting uh, fundamental liberties. And uh, we'll just have to make those arguments in the committee in a couple of weeks and see what see what happens. Um, one would think that uh, lessons would have been learned from the confirmation hearings for Brett Kavanaugh. One would think that lessons would be learned from, from quite frankly, the Russia witch hunt. You know, uh, President yeah. Trump was 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 pronounced guilty and forced to prove his innocence. Uh, that was the way they carried it out. Same thing with Kavanaugh. He was forced uh, to prove his own innocence against um, uh, weekly, uh, you know, in fact, no evidence, uh, you know, uh, charges yep. against him. How can we do this to an American citizen by somebody who? And, and, and the real problem is they're saying they're saying that in these red flag laws, somebody who is is thought by someone who knows them to be a threat. That doesn't have to mean psycho- psychologically demented. You know, behavior. It can be somebody who owns a Trump hat. If you have a red, 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 uh, make America great again hat, I think you're a threat. You could be a white nationalist. You could be this. I'm going to call and report you for having weapons. Cops show up at your door. Yeah, I heard you have a red hat. Give me your guns. You can prove yourself not a threat later in court. I, we, I don't it, understand how anybody can support that, including, as I said, Congressman, our own president. It's scary where this could potentially lead. Um, I'm, I'm just so concerned about the fundamentals here. This idea that you have to exonerate yourself after the fact, that you're guilty until proven innocent, that is not the standard in this country. It's what sets us apart and makes us the greatest. Part of what makes us the greatest nation ever is this idea that you are presumed innocent. Uh, and any time you rush due process, it's probably not really due process. You, rush due process means rushing to, 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 to jeopardize your fundamental liberties. And so I get real nervous about that. Um, so we're going to have our work cut out for us because the left wants to go there. They want to uh, invert the standard. We saw that with the Mueller report. Um, we'll just have to see and uh, make the argument as, as concise and as, as articulate as we can in the hearing and hopefully uh, hopefully we'll be able to prevail. Yeah, President Trump called it rapid due process, which I agree with you. If it's rapid, that means it's rushed. If it's rushed, it's not due process. Last thing before you go, sir, because uh, I know you're short on time here, but you tweeted about this. Corey Lewandowski is being, he has already been interviewed by the Mueller team. Now here comes the House looking for another bite at the apple. House Democrats, uh, the Judiciary Committee, your committee, want to talk to him again. Why? Yeah. It's never going to stop, Bob. That's the point. It's going to be Lewandowski. It's going to be Dave Fossey. It's going to be doing everything works in the administration, like Lewandowski. So they are never going to stop. You saw a couple weeks ago, maybe eight, ten days ago, where, where Jerry Nadler said, well, it really is an impeachment inquiry, even though they haven't taken an official vote. That's what we're doing. So they even have this conflict in their own, in their own party, whether they're officially doing an impeachment inquiry, even though they haven't had a vote to officially move forward with it. So they're not going to stop because we're right back to where we started here. They are more determined to go after the president than they are to try to do what's best for the country. When they're saying, oh, a recession is coming, because they, they would rather have that happen for, for political reasons than have the country succeed and, and, and prosper, that's scary. And when they're going to go talk to anybody and everybody, subpoena anybody and everybody, even after a three-year cycle we've been through and 22 months investigation by Bob Mueller, that just shows you where they're at. And so, uh, again, it's unfortunate, but... I don't, I don't know what you do when the Democrats want to just behave in this manner. Congressman Jordan, thank you so much. Great insights on all of the above. We certainly appreciate it, sir. We'll talk to you, you again bet. soon. 
Thanks, That's Bob. Congressman Jim Jordan joining us on AM 1420. The answer, it's 1046. We're going to take an early time out here uh, at this point so that we can open up uh, the lines for the last segment of the program. We'll have a little bit more time than we normally do in that last segment. So if you want to be heard, 216-901-0945, Right back after this on AM 1420, The Answer. WHKRadio.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast. All right, 1049, final segment of the Bob France Authority on this Monday. Really uh, appreciate Congressman Jim Jordan. He's uh, fighting hard against the red flag laws. He's fighting hard in support of Israel. He's fighting hard in support of the American consumer on all fronts. I want to go back to the Israel story in a moment, for a moment because I need to, uh, I need to share this. Um, this was a phenomenal Prager University video that I fortunately, because I saved enough time here for this last segment, I'm able to share with you. I wasn't sure I could. Um, when the state of Israel was founded in 1948, it was done so with the approval of the United Nations. But today, as you know, Israel's enemies routinely challenge the legitimacy of its very existence, including some of its enemies here in the United States like Sharia Tlaib and Jihad Omar. So under international law, who's right about its legitimacy and its its existence? Is Israel right, or are Israel's enemies right? This is about as comprehensive of an answer to this question that you will ever get. And it comes from Alan Dershowitz for Prager University. Of all the countries that have come into existence in the last century, no country's birth certificate is more legitimate than that of Israel. One reason is that many of the men who founded the country, Theodore Herzl, Zeb Jabotinsky, David Ben-Gurion, Menachem Begin, Yitzhak Shamir, were either lawyers or had legal training. They were obsessed with making it legal. Unlike almost every other country, lawyers, not generals, were the midwives of Israel's birth, or more accurately, rebirth since it had existed as an independent country twice before in history. Step by legal step, Israel moved legally toward nationhood, from the Balfour Declaration in 1917, to the San Remo Agreement in 1920, to the League of Nations Resolution in 1922, to the Anglo-American Convention on Palestine in 1924, to the partition of land ordained by the United Nations in 1947, into a nation-state for the Jewish people and an Arab state. Yet immediately upon its lawful establishment in 1948 as the nation-state of the Jewish people, Israel was illegally attacked by all the surrounding Arab states, as well as by elements of the local Arab population. In defending its right to exist during that war, Israel lost 1% of its population, including many civilians and Holocaust survivors. It also lost some of the land assigned to it by the United Nations. It captured other land from the aggressors that was originally assigned to the Arab state. The end result of that war against Israel was an armistice line that prevailed until 1967 when Israel was once again attacked by Jordan during Israel's war with Egypt and Syria. Between 1948 and 1967, despite the armistice, 
Arab terrorists continue to infiltrate Israeli borders and to injure and kill Israeli citizens. That was part of an official policy by the surrounding governments and by leaders of local Palestinian groups. All of it was in violation, obvious violation of international law. Following the establishment of Israel, a transfer of populations occurred. Several hundred thousand Arabs who fled from Israel during the War of Independence were not allowed to return. Some had chosen to leave, assured by their Arab leaders that the fledgling country would not last a week. Others were forced to leave. At that time, approximately the same number of Jews were forced to leave Arab countries, another violation of international law, where they had lived for thousands of years. The difference was that Arab countries kept the Arabs who left Israel in refugee camps, where many of them still live more than a half a century after leaving Israel. And Israel, on the other hand, fully integrated all the Jewish refugees from Arab countries into Israeli society, where many of their descendants now serve in the highest positions of Israeli life. Israel's establishment as the nation state of the Jewish people by entirely lawful means is quite remarkable for several reasons. First, there is no country in the world that is as surrounded by hostile enemies as is Israel. It's been that way since 1948. Yet Israel sought the way of the pen rather than of the sword. It has needed the sword to survive, but its preference has always been for the pen. That is for peaceful negotiations. It's peace treaty with Egypt in 1978. It's peaceful abandonment of Gaza in 2005. And it's many attempts to reach a peace agreement with the Palestinians are examples. Yet despite its entirely lawful origins, Israel is the only country in the world today whose origins, and therefore its very legitimacy, have been questioned by the General Assembly of the United Nations, by numerous member nations, and by many organizations that claim the mantle of human rights and the rule of law. Ironically, current attacks on Israel's legitimacy have taken the form of lawfare, the use of international law as a weapon. Any fair tribunal that judged Israel by universal standards would reject such attacks out of hand. But alas, international courts like the UN itself have been packed by those bitterly antagonistic to the nation state of the Jewish people. For example, the misnamed International Court of Justice refuses to acknowledge that Israel, a country that deals with terror attacks and the threats of terror attacks on a regular basis, has any special security needs. As I've demonstrated, this phenomenon, questioning the very right of Israel to exist as the nation state of the Jewish people, cannot be explained on legal grounds or on any other rational basis for that matter. So then, how can this worldwide attack on Israel alone be explained? In only one way. It is pure bigotry. And there's a word for this bigotry. Anti-Semitism. If you have a better explanation for why the one country in the world whose right to exist is denied is also the one country that is the nation state of the Jewish people, I ask you, what is it? I'm Alan Dershowitz, professor of law at Harvard University for Prager University. And... In addition to what Professor Dershowitz just laid out, and, and that five minutes, by the way, was as great uh, and comprehensive of an explanation about not only Israel's founding, but Israel's history, and moreover, the anti-Israel behavior of its enemies in the region and in the United Nations. That there's there's really never been a more comprehensive, especially in, in terms of a five-minute approach. I suppose a two-hour lecture could really do more, but that was perfect. Um, and then I would follow up with that 
dovetail off of that with with Nikki Haley, the former uh, ambassador to the United Nations, who pointed out very clearly that Israel is being continuing to be bullied by the United Nations. Israel continues to be the only nation that is routinely targeted for what they call human rights violations. And the Human Rights Council nations, member nations on the Human Rights Council of the United Nations, are the actual nations that violate human rights, stoning their own people for infidelity, locking people up or executing them for being gay. I mean, all of these human rights violations are being committed by Muslim-majority nations, and yet it's only Israel that is targeted. Nikki Haley has spoken uh, uh, eloquently about that, both uh, you know during her time as ambassador to the United Nations and since then. She, she, she really has done a phenomenal I job. I really didn't even have that decision in my mind. I, I knew that there was a bias against Israel, but I hadn't really put a lot of the thought into it until I attended the first session. And when I saw literally how abusive all of those countries were being to Israel in a way that was pathetic. Really, I had no choice but to get up and say this is completely wrong. It's like that kid in the schoolyard that gets bullied and everybody's bullying the kid just because they think it makes them stronger. Um, I wasn't going to stand for that. And so I came out and said, we are not going to condone this anti-Israel bias. We started to make sure that the Israel bashing sessions, as I call them, that they have once a month. (laughs) We now try and talk about there's supposed to be sessions on the Middle East, not sessions on Israel. And so now we're actually making them talk about other areas in the Middle East and how we're dealing with this. There are some other problem areas in the Middle East. And you would not know it if you were at the U.N. Uh, And so we're starting to do those things. And now, frankly, they're scared to say anything negative about Israel because they don't want me to yell at them. But that's just so important for you to hear as we close today. The Alan Dershowitz piece for PragerU, the Nikki Haley comments, because that backdrop, that context is very, very important for you to understand as to why Israel is so defensive and why they will not allow BDS supporters like Sharia Tlaib and Jihad Omar into their country to promote the destruction of Israel within its own borders. That's it. That's all the time we've got for today. Stay where you are, though, because Mike Gallagher's next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.